and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And Daryl couldn't join us this week, but he'll be back next week. I know we've also been taking a couple weeks off with travel and whatnot, but we're back, ready to go. Yeah. We're ready to talk about The Bear Season 2, which dropped last week. But I think even before we'd even planned for this week, I was texting you, Jordan, and you said you'd already watched the whole thing. Yeah, I did. I I watched it pretty much instantly. It was kind of weird. I feel like on my timeline... There were people who were like, why is no one talking about the bear? The bear is the best thing in the world. And there were other people who were like, what the fuck is the bear? And I feel like that's kind of a good encapsulation of the show. <laughs> it's like, if you know, you know, no, no. And you are adoring it. And I, you know, you guys asked me to watch season one for the podcast, however long ago. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And it was great. And then when season two came out, I was pretty voracious. So, yeah, I finished it quickly. So for the people who are in the what the fuck is the bear camp, which I, I think there are fewer and fewer of those people, but um, it's a show that takes place at a restaurant in Chicago and in the first season, we're going to spoil at least the general plot stuff in the first season, because you can't really talk about the second season otherwise. Um, but in the first season, uh, this guy, Carmi, who's a like, you know, really well trained. world's greatest up and coming chef, right? Like it's not even, they're pretty explicit about it. He's like the yeah. best chef at the best restaurant in the world. Right. And, and for reasons that are, you know, become clearer, but are still not a hundred percent clear, you know, he kind of leaves that behind. He inherits this uh, sandwich shop from his brother, which is called the beef. And the second season is very different from the first in the sense that the first season is just all at the restaurant. Basically, there's a couple of exceptions, but like 90% of the show takes place at the restaurant. Um, and right at the end of the first season, Carmi decides that he basically because he there's uh, there's some plot stuff we won't get into. But Carmi decides he's going to upgrade the restaurant from this sandwich shop into kind of the fine dining establishment that he's kind of always wanted to to own, I think. And the second season is really about the process of getting the restaurant to that point. And it also follows then like a lot of the different employees of the beef slash the bear on these different journeys. There's like an episode that takes place in Copenhagen. There's one that takes place, you know, in this like rest in this really, really, really nice restaurant in Chicago. And I think also, and a lot of people have commented on this, the tone feels less bleak than the first season. Yeah, I think it's I think the first season was really good at balancing like some pretty dark, very heavy topics. And there were a couple, you know, Carmi monologues that I felt probably dragged based on the pacing and general levity of the show. And there's less of that here in season two. Um, but there's also less kitchen time, mm -hmm. which I think is like, there's stuff that kind of like is meant to look and feel like kitchen time. Um, so that you don't feel like that element is missing. But yeah, I think that the kind of like, frenetic energy that comes from those kinds of scenes was kind of dwindled in this season. And that was part of the counterweight and counterbalance to the dark kind of like deeper moments and so because they had to you know sliding scale one down i think they sliding scaled the other down as well <laughs> so that you don't get you know too locked down on any uh, any of that stuff right because the kitchen of the beef is basically non-functional for most of the season because they're doing construction and renovations yeah it's some combination of anxiety and comedy when we're in the kitchen it's very um chaotic and it's very like chemistry and ensemble based the the actual content of those scenes is about who reacts which way and who's loudest and a joke and then a, a panic attack and then you know it's it's very high high energy and fast paced and there were some moments like that when they're trying to get the restaurant ready in season two that are meant to feel that way. And then there are obviously kitchen scenes as these employees, like you say, go off and do 
their training, which are much less chaotic because many of them go to kitchens that are run in a very functional way. Um, yeah. And so there was kind of like, it just felt, I really liked season two. I guess my high level thoughts are that I really mm -hmm. liked season two. I think there was like a plot divergence that I didn't really see coming that I wasn't like a huge fan of. It didn't like bother me and I wasn't like angry. I wasn't like pulling a Daryl where I was like, I fucking hate this show or whatever. <laughs> but I, it was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know that I feel that or am attached to that. Um, and then, yeah, I think I just like, I think my main driver to watch the show is this sense of immersion in that kitchen lifestyle that I don't quite understand. It's kind of like, you know, when you're watching Succession and they're throwing out numbers about a bear hug and stuff. And you're like, I'm not entirely sure I know what you mean, but based on the context and the way you're talking about it, I get the gist and it feels like I'm in another world a little bit. Um, That was a real driver for me of watching the show. And I just felt like it lacked a touch in this season. That's not to say that I didn't totally enjoy it. I loved it and it's great and I'm excited about where it's headed, but yeah. So when you say plot divergence, do you mean just sort of the fact that it was less focused on the kitchen or did you feel like there's a specific plot development? That there's you a in? specific plot development. I don't want to say it yeah. before spoilers, but there's like a, yeah, there's a storyline that's running through the season that I just didn't feel particularly attached to in any way. And it's a, an important one because it kind of sets the stage for Carmi's great dilemma this season. And it just didn't, <laughs> just didn't resonate with me. I don't know why. Okay. All right. We'll get into that in spoilers. Um, I think that I liked this. I mean, I would say that, yeah, it's different, but I still, I mean, I, I really loved it. I've, I, I'm, I'm still a few episodes away from finishing the season, but it, I think, is uh, may arguably a better season than the first in the sense that I it think so just, too. Yeah, it does more things. You get to learn about the characters more deeply. There are more episodes that kind of stand out in the sense of like, you remember there's this episode which is in Copenhagen. You remember, you know, this episode that's uh, about these other things. And um, there's just, it, it feels like a more ambitious show in a lot of ways. And I think it succeeds in that ambition. There's there's one particular episode that's a flashback episode that I think is very good, but very is, good. <laughs> but is a little feels a little show offy in the sense that it's like an hour long, whereas every other episode is thirty minutes. And there were a couple hour long episodes actually. Okay, because I think that there are a couple the hour longs then are to, like the finale, right? Uh, I think so, and I think that 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 one you're talking about is an hour long, and I think there was another one that was like forty six minutes. Felt okay. like they kind of had free reign over. Right. Which the way they, they wanted to tell this story. Yeah. And like maybe show offy, but contextually it's layering in something that I think is coming up in season three. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, and also I think what this season brought to light is how poorly we know our characters. Mm -hmm. Like so much of it is there. Like you said, it took place season one in the kitchen. It's their kitchen persona. Right. They're like work persona with a little bit of their true personhood bleeding out into that and causing problems more often than not. And it was a very us against each other season in season one. Like, can we actually work together? This season is more us against life, you know, as a team. But I realized in watching the season how much I projected who Carmi is onto him. Hmm. as opposed to really knowing who he is. And I think that's part of why the plot, the storyline, the plot divergence or whatever we want to call it that didn't resonate with me happened is because I had built him already based on the information I had. And the real Carmi is actually not that person. And I don't not like the real Carmi. It's just like it didn't go in my flowchart properly. I think I know which plot development you're talking about and I agree well actually you know what I'll save that but I, I do agree I, I I get where you're coming from um one of the other differences between the two seasons I think is that it seemed like a big part of season one and part of why it felt so intense and bleak was you could I mean you didn't know a lot about the characters but in as much as you knew anyone it was Carmen you saw little glimpses of, of who he was and his past 
and you got the sense of him just carrying all this pain from his family, from, you know, these horrible work environments he's been in in the past. And there was a sense that like being in the kitchen, he was trying to do better, but couldn't quite get there, especially in that, you know, really spectacular one take episode where everything goes wrong and he just like starts screaming at people. Um, And this season, it feels like also trying to illustrate what can be good about being in a kitchen, which you saw saw in season one, like a little bit, because you just, there's something really beautiful and exciting about it, but mostly people were behaving really badly. And here people actually like learn and grow by being in a kitchen environment. Yeah, I think that that was actually super special because Carmi talks a lot about what he wants the kitchen to be in season one. He implements the French brigade. You know, he obviously we say chef because we um, respect one another and he's trying to kind of like make the beef look and feel like that environment. And so you have some idea of it. But the only real taste we get in season one is of Carmi basically being abused by former chefs that he worked for. And in season two, we really see a couple examples of highly functional kitchens that are really like magical places, you know, like that what they're doing is so far beyond what you could imagine and the level of kind of like um, the, the rigidity of it is a beautiful thing and not a scary thing and it's really special it makes me think a lot of like sports which is probably as close as i ever came to that level of kind of like that kind of environment um but also like the military i mean it's just the precision is something spectacular to behold and i think that that was super important because if season two is about them transforming the the beef into the bear right and into that new fine dining establishment having no landmark to kind of like reference to makes it hard. So I think that was really important. Yeah. I think we should probably get into spoilers pretty quickly. I think Is there so anything too, else yeah. that you want to talk about before we do that? But yeah, no. Bear, great show. You should watch it. It is, you know, you have to be in kind of the, the right mindset, especially for season one, because it can be kind of a, a rough show. And, and uh... yeah, I think if you're prone to anxiety, just be conscious of the fact that this show does like kind of elevate anxiety i think that's like part of its charm um but you'll probably have to parcel it out because it could be exhausting to watch that much kind of like yelling and chaos in one sitting um but it might keep make you feel better about your own anxiety because you're like at least i'm not (laughs) in that kitchen (laughs) exactly um all right well let's get into spoilers so if you've not seen the entirety of season two of the bear you should stop listening now um, so let's talk about this plot development. I assume you're talking about Carmi's relationship with Claire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not like, again, I'm not against it. I think she did a great job with the role. And like, I think I had made Carmi into this person or I thought of Carmi as this person who was a big shot, like a super big shot, even though he was not the top dog and there was kind of an alpha hovering above him. I still imagined that he ran in cool circles and got laid and kind of like had a more confident persona from season one. You know, they talked a little bit in season one about how actually I would I would need to remember if it was in season one that they talked so much about Mikey being kind of mag- magnetic and attractive or if that came to light more in season two. I think that's in season one as well. Yeah. Because I don't know, I maybe just gave Carmi more credit. And so this idea that it's like his first girlfriend and the first time he's felt love just felt a little bit weird to me because, again, because his sister, obviously, in season one, loves him a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And is like really trying to put in the work to be like, I'm here for you. I love you. I want what's best for you. And I think there was something that just kind of like didn't feel realistic about him being so impacted by this girl, especially because the flashback shows them being like, Claire's great and like, you should date her. And we saw her and we said that you should date her or whatever. But there's never, there's a lot of references to their like long history, Claire and Carmi. And 
we never got a flashback of that. So it just felt detached. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Did you get any of those vibes? Like where you're just like, I don't know about like, is this where we're going? I don't know. It just. It felt, I mean, to me, it felt just very early, in our, you know, like it's still in that like phase of just like, they're kind of feeling each other out. And I'm kind of like, oh, I like hanging out with her. I don't necessarily feel like this is a super deep relationship yet. And I, I also understand that it is this thing where they're trying to say, oh, these people have this long history, but like you've never heard about this person until they show up on screen. And so you're kind of, there's a, there's, I think there's just a part of your brain where you're like, really? Is this, yeah. do you have? Well, it also felt like maybe Carmi and um, what's her face? The Sue or the CDC now, I guess. Oh, Sydney. Sydney, where Carmi and Sydney maybe didn't have like a romantic relationship, but that like my I guess my my expectation was that there would be some sort of complication in their relationship because it's so central to the success or failure of everyone's dreams, basically. And then it went in this direction with Claire and it becomes this thing where basically the driving kind of plot line for Carmi is he's got this new love that he seems really kind of like desperate for and torn over. And he's got this restaurant that like the success of everyone lies on his shoulders and he needs to dedicate 200% of himself to, and he's making choices to feel love from Claire over take care of his own duties. And I don't think that that's not compelling. I just, I don't know. There's something about it that's a little bit frustrating to watch. And I don't think that Claire is like, I don't know. Is there something about Carmi, I guess, or Claire that I'm just like, when you guys are on screen together, it does not compel me enough to rip me from the goal that we have all shared together <laughs> from season one into season two. And like, maybe it's meant to frustrate me as a viewer, but it does frustrate me as a viewer. And I also don't completely like, I just don't buy it all the way. I do think, and and I don't want to get too carried away with the comparison because I think that they're very different, but I think there's an element that's similar to Succession or even Game of Thrones in the sense that there's like this idea of, oh, like this big goal, whether that's the Iron Throne, control of this company and, um, you know, having a successful restaurant. And in each case, I think you're also supposed to wonder a little bit about, oh, is this actually the right thing? Um, I mean, especially in Succession. But um, even in this one, you're kind of like, maybe Carmi shouldn't run his own maybe he should just like do something else and he'd be happier you know oh I don't know I don't think that I ever go that place I know a lot of people do but I always go for you gotta win you gotta win at what you want <laughs> and anything that's in your way is, is fucking dumb and like <laughs> and and that's I think where I run into the problem is because like this is in his way this is in his way yeah. of his goal if he wants to win and he seems like the type that is a winner that will go out and get it done and so whatever is standing in the way has to make me as a viewer feel like I understand why he made that mistake mm -hmm. because it's so good or so compelling or so interesting or so special. And for whatever reason, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if it's the writing. I don't know if it's her. I don't know if it's Carmi as a character that's already been developed and his shift I don't know if it's the framing, the structure. I mean, it could be anything. But for whatever reason, I'm not convinced of that. Like, I'm not convinced that I have even a little bit of empathy for him making these mistakes in favor of spending time with Claire. And so I think that's where I start running into trouble. A little right. Bit. I mean, so my view may also be shaped by, I think there a lot of that stuff also comes up in the last couple of episodes, which I haven't seen yet. Um the Claire-focused yeah. episode, the, the, I mean, she's kind of a thread through the whole season, but the, the biggest Claire episode I've seen so far is the one where um, basically Carmi is, like, comes up with this idea at the spur of the moment of, hey, like, Sydney, you and I should just go, like, do tastings around the city. And he says, I'm just going to clean up and then I'll join you in an hour. And then, um, but then uh, Claire calls him and he decides to... Uh, or he calls Claire. I can't remember. No, she, uh, 
but basically he ends up like like hanging out with claire instead um yeah and he doesn't text sydney until after she's already like ordered all of her food and it's like right. not okay bro right and in that case it feels less like there is an element of what restaurant versus relationship but there's an element also of hey just tell your friend and coworker what's going on, you know, like, yeah, just don't be upfront about it. There is like, I think part of what makes it frustrating is there's this element of like secrecy for a little while mm -hmm. with Carmi and Claire and like keeping it from Sydney or like, it doesn't feel like they're actively keeping it from her. Like, Shh, don't tell her, but there's like an omission element mm -hmm. where it's like, she deserves to fucking know, you know, right. like your actual partner. Right. Claire is like your girlfriend-ish <laughs> thing. This is your actual partner in life, in your biggest goal, <laughs> and like the, has earned the right to know what the fuck's going on. So I think it's just like a little frustrating, but we don't have to like zero in so hard on that relationship. It is what it is. And w when we get to the end, I'll tell you kind of like how it yeah. played out, I guess. But um, I think it's worth talking about some of the other characters. I think it's interesting that um, what's her name? The one who took the job as Sue. Right. Uh, Tina. Tina. So it's cool because her transition from last season, she was like the one who is not going to budge at all. You know, her and Richie basically were the ones that were like, we're not for this. We're not going to ever get on board with the way you're running things. This is fucking stupid. We have our system. They're kind of like old dogs who don't want to be taught new tricks. Mm hmm. And Tina comes over in the first season eventually and says, like, I actually would love to be a really great chef and do this the right way and gets rewarded with Sue. And I think that her role is somewhat diminished in season two, but it was a strong position mm -hmm. to be in. It was like a very rah-rah cheerleader, rock solid. Richie's season was slightly harder to watch, but his come around episode i think the last right. one that you just watched is really spectacular i think it's like one of the best episodes of the season yes uh that i mean overall i think richie's been in the season less i in, in a way i feel like he and carmy kind of dominated season one and to a lesser extent sydney but in this season he he's kind of in the background for a lot of it until uh well first he's like a big part of the, the flashback episode and then the, the episode after that forks he goes to uh, Stage. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. I think that's right. In a in a fine dining restaurant, and well, and I think it's also worth noting that he, throughout this season, even though he's somewhat diminished, he is constantly causing problems. That I think the opening episode, he tells Carmi, he starts talking about purpose. I don't have purpose. I need to find purpose. Mm -hmm. Purpose is what drives people. And you can see him like scouting it out all along the way. Like, I know how to fix the electrical. I know how to fix this. I'm going <laughs> to step in and do this. And it's all these things that he does not know how to do and is making things worse. And he feels pretty beaten down. And Carmi sends him to this nice restaurant run by Olivia Coleman, Chef Terry. <laughs> um, and he feels like he was sent there to be put out of the way of the work or that they're trying punished. to do. Yeah, or punished for kind of failing to find his purpose in a way that was useful to everyone else. And has this experience of, you know, he's just supposed to polish forks for a long time. He's annoyed. He's not giving it his all. And there's some turnaround moment. I mean, you watched it more recently than I did. So mm -hmm. he, I forget where, when it happens or why, but someone says yeah. something to him that it clicks. Right. So the and I understand why he he wasn't thrilled about this, that and at the beginning, they basically said him, yeah, uh, for the first week, every single person just does forks for their entire shift for a week. And he, and then you get to move if you're lucky, lucky, you get to move on to spoons in week two. And he's like, how long am I supposed to be here? One week. And so he's only going to do forks this whole time. And uh, is understandably pissy about it, but then also is not taking the work very seriously and and they're like giving him a hard time about streaks and things and so finally the, his boss i think garrett is his name takes him out and just says like no one needs you to be here dude like if you want to leave just fucking leave like what is this and and but then also gives this little speech about why he's here and why it, it's important and the value he finds out of you know the fact that everyone is just who eats here is so excited to be here and so 
like we have to bring that same energy because we're just bringing all this joy into their into their day and that i think sinks in with richie and if i have a critique of that episode is that i feel like the turnaround happens pretty quickly where he's just totally pissy and then starts to get on board pretty quickly after that and then there's Actually, he doesn't get stuck. Well, on it's forks like the whole right time. after that conversation, they let him do something other than forks. I think that if they had sent him back to forks after that conversation, he might not have been. Yeah, I, but I they think... basically said today you follow me around and you get to yeah. see how this whole system works and shadow right. me. And that then he starts seeing that you got to remember too. If you're doing forks, the whole concept of how how much people care about being in this restaurant and eating this food never happens to you so it's just like this figment in your mind all you see the is second you yeah the second you get to go out in the front of house and see how people feel sitting down and being told oh we have a special something for you and this is an important person and this is a regular and this is a and he starts to it like sets in where he's like oh shit like i could bring that energy i can make someone's day yeah and um I mean, I, I think I, I interpreted it slightly different because I think it was that his attitude changed, although it ha you, they don't spend a lot of time on it. But because his attitude changed, then his boss says, all right, all right, you can come, you know, um, shadow me. And like, there's a whole thing where he like lets Richie put on a, a jacket and a tie. And um, there's a there's an amazing scene where basically one of the customers is uh like has is talking about how she's like really sad that she came to Chicago and never got to try deep dish pizza and so Richie Richie gets sent to go like buy deep dish from another restaurant which then gets sort of embellished by the chef at this restaurant and um and and he's like so happy and really belongs and like the people there like early in the episode Garrett says to him like no one here even knows your fucking name dude like you can just get out of here um but then at the end like he's drinking with them playing games with them like everyone says they're really gonna miss him and and this is where I think the most interesting part of the episode is is that actually then he sort of takes a turn in the other direction because he says hey like you know actually I'm really happy here like if something opens up yeah if you're hiring or whatever yeah, yeah. and I think at that point, he still feels like he was being punished by Carmi. He, yes. Even though he feels like he learned a lesson, he doesn't realize that it was a lesson that Carmi wanted him to learn and sent him mm -hmm. there to learn. Yeah. <laughs> He's got those things separate at that point. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and, you know, again, partly again, because Carmi can't ever really express his feelings in a clear and direct way. Like, like uh, Richie calls him to try to like yell at him towards the end, right when he's sort of been rejected from get you know, potentially staying on. And, um, and like Carmi's in the middle of this like electrical thing. And so like, they just can't like, you know, like they just can't have a real conversation. And Richie just like, is like, fuck this and, and hangs up. Um, but then, and so he's, he's really, I mean, he doesn't like just disappear or go like super self-destructive. In fact, you still see him doing things like cleaning up his place a little bit. Um, yeah, he wipes but, down his counter and straightens yeah. up his house. He like has, he's taking pride in something. Yes. Right. right. And himself. Right. And then he shows up and he still shows up. He still like does the forks well. And um, and then he goes into I think it's just taking sort of one last circuit around the kitchen and runs into Olivia Coleman doing her one day of work on the show. They do such a good job with the scene, I have to say. So like there's a couple different things that happen here. So one harkens back to the episode about Marcus going to Copenhagen, which like was a great episode, but I don't know that it's worth our taking the time. But something that does happen in Copenhagen is that Marcus meets a chef who is a pastry chef who tells the story of, you know, this other chef was brought on and I thought he was my competition, but I actually realized he's just so much better than me, works so much harder than me. He never says explicitly that it's Carmi, but you right. know, kind of you're thinking it the whole time. And then on Richie's way back to the kitchen in this later episode, you see a picture of Carmi with that pastry chef, both of whom I guess had worked for Chef Terry, a name you keep hearing, but you don't mm -hmm. know who it is. And he goes back and sees Olivia Coleman peeling mushrooms. And we still don't know as the audience that this is Chef Terry. We think it's just someone peeling mushrooms. And over the course of the conversation, we tease out that this is actually the boss, the owner of the restaurant, the big kahuna who believes that time is well spent by peeling these mushrooms because it makes people feel happy. They notice that someone took the time to peel thousands of, of mushrooms. Right. And uh, 
she basically tells this story of how she got the restaurant and also how she learned about her dad from reading his journal and that he would mark down these little details that were special to him. And he signed it off the same way every time. And she gets called away basically before she reveals what it is. And Richie looks up at the at the kitchen and realizes that underneath the clock for the kitchen, it says every second counts, which is what has been the mantra that Carmi has used to get yeah. the restaurant ready. And so there's a really beautiful kind of full circle moment. And that's um, one of the signs that in, in the restaurant in Copenhagen, too. Yes, exactly. So this idea of every second counts, Chef Terry and her dad have kind of um, dispersed this concept across these famous kitchens everywhere through the people that they've trained, which is amazing. Right. And it's like multiple meanings. Obviously, part of it is just when you're in a kitchen, a commercial kitchen, there's like so many things happening at once every second counts in the sense that if you like blow it and suddenly you're two minutes behind, that's a disaster for the kitchen. But every second counts everyone's also. work has yes. just gone down the Right. But it's also every second counts in the sense that just it's it's also about time well spent and like, you know, just figuring out like, is this really what I want to spend my time on? And that it is worth spending your time on these small details. I was going to say the other thing that I really liked about that conversation is that in the flashback episode, possibly elsewhere, when Richie talks about himself and like talks about sort of like how he's not realizing his potential, he kind of feels trapped and, and he's pitching himself to, to Cicero. He's the thing he says at the end is like, I think I'm like a, a people person. I'm good with people, but I've never oh, gotten yeah. a chance to show that. And so when um, Chef Terry is walking away, Oh, she says two things to him. First, at the yeah. beginning, he says, thank you so much for doing this favor for Carmi. And she says, no, don't thank me. It's not a, I don't do favors. Um, and then uh, at the, when she leaves, she says, no, Carmi believes in you. Um, she, he told, and he says, how do you know? And she says, he told me that. He said, you're good with people. And, and he so, was right. Yeah. And so it was this thing where it wasn't just like bullshit. It was like that Carmi also saw this thing about Richie that he feels like no one sees about him. And yeah, yeah, that, that Richie like, also felt about himself, but maybe hasn't believed in a long time, you right. know? Um, it was really, really special episode, I think. And the the other interesting thing that you don't know yet, but that okay. I'm going to spoil for you That's right now, right. is that, like, every second counts was the mantra or the, like, you know, the motto of getting the restaurant ready. But on the night that it opens, they... Uh, someone, I think it's his sister, gives him uh, uh, the framed note that his brother wrote him. I love oh, you, Carmi, okay. let it rip. Yeah. And let it rip becomes the thing that's on the expo at the bear. Oh, okay. Rather than every second counts, who's, you know, kind of pulling and making him his own kind of yeah system of whatever the, the mantra is for the bear. Um, do you want to talk about the episodes you haven't seen yet? I do. I would want to touch on two quick things. Well, I think one thing can be quick. And then one thing I, we should talk more about the flashback, maybe. <laughs> okay. um, the quick thing is is Copenhagen, um, I think. So there's another guest star, Will Poulter, who plays the the pastry chef. So who, good. How cute is he? I, I'm so amazing. used to seeing him as like a fucking super nerd. And <laughs> yeah. he's so adorable and cute in this episode. Love him. And... Um, I mean, in a way, it's like very similar to the Forks episode because it's it's Except about for Marcus wants to be there, right? right? Yeah, yeah. he doesn't have as much and gets it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but one thing people talk about, I think, I think this is true of both episodes, but I maybe have noticed it more in the Copenhagen episode is that elsewhere in the show, and and we see this both in the beef and also like with Carmi's old bosses, like that the model we see for being a demanding boss is basically just like screaming at people, being abusive. And what you see with Will Poulter's character is that he still has high standards. He's like very clear about what is and is not acceptable, but he does it in a way where he's just like, no, I know you can do better. Like when, when it's not right, he just says, nope, try it again. Nope, try it again. And like- There's even a moment where he looks at the clock and I thought that was so good where it was like, He's not like a an angel baby. He's not there right. to coddle you at all. And it 
and they do a, such a good job of making the audience like wonder, like, is Marcus not good? Like, is he just good enough to do interesting desserts for the beef, but not going to make it to the place where yeah. he can do the pastries and desserts for the bear. And he, the Coulter guy looks at the Poulter, whatever the fuck his name is, looks at the clock and is kind of like rolling his eyes almost like you better fucking get it soon. <laughs> like I don't have time for this, you right, know? Right. Right. And Marcus rises to the occasion and it's a great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but flashback, I mean, what what did you think of that? I thought it was a great episode. I mean, like I said, I every episode where we don't get some kitchen vibes, I get a little disappointed. But this weirdly did have kitchen vibes because there's yeah, a kitchen and it's same. pure chaos in that kitchen. Yeah, but not it the same. It is a nightmare. I the 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 kitchen vibe that I love is chaos plus someone who knows what the fuck's going on. And Carmi had basically resigned himself to just cleanup duty or in and around you know his mom's space um but we got to talk about what's her name why can't it jamie lee curtis jamie lee curtis plays the mom who is i don't know i don't know what the mental health issue that she's struggling with is i couldn't put my finger on it but is definitely struggling with some mental health issues um and the chaos of her making the dinner. No one can help her, but no one appreciates her. No one tried to help her and just impossible to please. And watching the kids, you know, how Carmi deals with it versus how his sister deals with it. Um, And then, yeah, the Richie and what's his face is in it too. Uh, uh, well, Bill, uh, wait, Bill Odenkirk is in it. Um, and, and John, John Mulaney. Mulaney, there we go. And Sarah Paulson. Um, and Sarah like it Paulson. Is, it is a crazy guest cast for that one. And it was almost, it, yeah, that was the other thing that felt sort of show offy, where you're like, almost every guest star is someone whose face you'll recognize. And then you're like, of course, this is an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there's also an element of like, as soon as you're like, okay, well, Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be the mom. And okay, we've got John Lee. Then you're like, well, shit, we got to like then get a bunch of other like, well-known people because like if it's like half famous people and half people you don't know that feels weird so we might as well just go yeah. all in Jillian Jacobs is Richie's ex-wife who who does turn up again later um and I mean I think they were all great Jamie Lee Curtis it felt a little over the top but in a way where I was like I think that also is just who the character is so yeah, yeah I had no notes for Jamie Lee Curtis I think that that was fine I mean you have to be somewhat over the top. I think they did a great job with hair and makeup because I barely, I was the whole time. I was like, no, that is Jamie Lee. Is that Jamie Lee? No, that's her. Is that Jamie Lee Curtis? Like I, I, they did such a good job. She really felt very transformed to some extent. Yeah. John Mulaney basically playing himself, Played himself. but yep. he was great. He was so good. He get, he has to uh, say grace. And he, he's also very convincing where he's just like, absolutely not. I do not want to do this. Do not ask me to do it. But then he's finally pushed to do it. He does an amazing does job. Does it in a very John Mulaney way, too, where it's not actually grace. It's like right. But it else. seems like he's kind of saved the moment. What was like this perfectly chaotic, insane thing. And for a second, you're like, OK, it's going to work out. It's going to be good. And then it all goes off the rails again. A lot of which has to do with Jamie Lee Curtis struggling with these whatever her mental health uh, condition might be but also the fact that like there's also these other like really toxic family dynamics too totally and Mikey you you I think the audience is meant to make the assumption that Mikey has inherited maybe some of that from yeah. his mom and is also very unpredictable um, and kind of a loaded gun um, loaded fork gun and uh, yeah I, I thought that was a good episode like I thought that it it was interesting it felt like it required those heavy hitters to come in because it felt so kind of like out of place that you're like, Mm -hmm. if you don't bring this home and make this something that counts, then we're wasting time. Right. And and in a way that eight hours or whatever, those faces also like you, you get, you establish a connection with them right away versus like, if they're just random actor, you don't necessarily feel that. Totally. So they really accelerated a lot of what the the work that the audience had to do um, for that. And yeah, I thought it was a good episode. Do you have more thoughts on the flashback episode? 
no, I mean, it just seemed like kind of like the kind of the, the one that <laughs> was meant to be talked about. The one, I guess the the other scene I'd call out that I really liked was at one point. Um, so Carm at this point is working in Copenhagen and you and you get a little bit more of the background of like he was on the houseboat. He had the cat um, and that that is sort of discussed in the Copenhagen episode. And he um, and we all we already saw hints of this, that he did want to come work at the beef. And that was actually kind of like always been his dream and the reason he became this uh insanely good fine dining chef was because Mikey wouldn't let him work at the beef and on some level the whole time he was basically just trying to show Mikey that he was that he you know was was better than him and um and so there's this scene where he or it doesn't even feel like better than him just good enough yes right? yeah exactly like this idea of good enough. he's not him. trying to beat him he's just like I right. am worthy right right like and um he shows uh, Mike, he, he like shows Mikey a, a sketch he's made of like how they could redesign the beef into the bear and do it together. And obviously, you know that that's not going to happen while Mikey is still alive. And when he walks away, you see Mikey like just start to cry and like slap himself in the face. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't have that much to say about it, except it was amazing and really sad. It was really sad. And I still feel like there's they've done a good job of like pulling at the strings of the why of how any of this happened. So you get a little breadcrumb every so often. This was a more, more of a chunk of a loaf, but we still, there's more to explore with all of that in season three. I assume that there will be more unpacking as to why Mikey felt that way. Why yeah. that was his choice. We still don't really know. We've seen more color, but we don't have a clear picture as to why that dynamic ever started in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely seems to be a sense that Mikey thinks the bear, the, I'm sorry, the beef is like a trap, right? And like, I think already he's sort of probably underwater financially, which is like being made worse by his substance abuse issues. And so he's just trying to save Carmi from all of that. Totally. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely more to flesh out in terms of when he made that decision because well, there's talk also about whatever happened with all the money in the tomato yeah. so yeah. that isn't exactly clear either what, what is there a mafia element to this like i don't it's yeah. unclear right mm -hmm. so like i yeah you're right i think that it's like a picture that is starting to form puzzle pieces are in place but like we don't know the exact detailing of all of it you know yeah um I was, oh, one other thing from the flashback of, and overall with this season, and maybe this changes at the end, but like in season one, the Oliver Platt character, uh, Uncle Cicero, who's not really their uncle, um, like, like just like Richie's not really their cousin. Um, in season one, he kind of comes off as this dick um, and and possibly also like a threat where you're like, oh, does he have mafia connections? Is he going to like break Carmi's kneecaps? Um, whereas in season two, like, especially in the flashback, he comes across as like, actually like in a lot of ways, a, a good guy. Like he's the one who's like trying Mostly. to bring peace. And like, when like people are out of line, he's like giving the, like, you know, like calling them out, but in a way that's actually like, not like being an asshole himself. He's like, no, you're being an asshole. Yeah. Cut it out. Stop it. Yeah. And you see a little bit in season two of him, like, you know, basically being pretty transparent with these guys and being like, this is the situation I'm in. Like, I don't have, it's not like I'm like, fuck you. I don't want you to succeed. I want you to succeed. But like, we got to do it within these boundaries. Otherwise, I can't yeah. do anything about it. It's, you know, it's cutting into me now. So. Right. Right. And, you know, especially when it's like, at you know, at the point after the first episode, he's in for like 800K. Like, I also would be very, like, yeah. take that very seriously, even if you're rich, um, which I don't think I have sister or money, but like presumably like 800k is real money to him and he's not just going to let that go up in smoke and that's understandable totally and i think there's a great scene with cicero and carmy where carmy says that he's dating claire and that he really likes her and cicero says i'm so happy for you uh-oh because <laughs> <laughs> he gets it too he's like i know that you need this as a human but also you're playing with fucking fire you need to be focused on this restaurant. I don't know what the answer. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I am a very aware of what this situation means. You yeah. know, um, and it's a good scene. All right. So tell me more about how it ends. 
So I think if you watch the Forks episode, there's two left, right? So one of them Three is left. the... Okay, then I can't remember all of it. But there's basically a progression where Carmi says Claire is his girlfriend. He comes more clean with Sydney. But his core thing that he keeps forgetting to do that Claire keeps distracting him from is calling about the fridge door. Okay. The fridge door handle is broken to the walk-in. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. And then we do our final kind of like prep before friends and family night. And Sydney has a moment where um, the sister is feeling sick because she's pregnant. She's hungry. And Sydney gets this immense joy out of making her an omelet because Sydney's not actually cooking all that much. Yeah. You know, because of her new role. And she makes this omelet she's so proud of and looks so delicious. And um, Sydney kind of gets her mojo back a little bit in doing that. But the final episode is Friends and Family Night, which basically culminates in right as they're about to do. The, as I understand it, this is just based on context from watching the show. So I've not worked in a kitchen like this at all. So I don't know exactly. But I think that there's a critical moment where a lot of the food is about to be ready for this like first wave of service. And it all happens in like, you know, five, 10, 15 second increments all at once over the course of five minutes. And right before this five minute window that is incredibly important, Carmi gets locked in the walk-in. And the door handle breaks. So he is stuck in there and he is out of the game. And he's also freaking out and screaming to get him out. And they have to focus because it's this like game time moment. And uh, Richie takes over the expo because what has also happened in this moment is that one of the line cooks that they've hired is smoking meth <laughs> in the alley. And so they're short a Carmi and another person. So Sydney takes over two stations. Richie does the expo and he fucking crushes it and nails it. And it's like a real glory moment for Richie. And they basically get through the night and everything goes pretty well. Oh, one other element is that right before Carmi got locked in, he took some food to Claire because mm -hmm. Claire is there and he couldn't spend much time with her, but he saw his old abusive chef in the corner oh, or what Jesus. he thought was his old abusive chef. So he's already tense and then he gets locked in. So he's just absolutely fucking freaking out. And it's perfect that the thing that he neglected is what causes him yeah. the most pain in that episode. But we get towards the end and he's talking to Richie about like he's kind of come to this realization that like being with Claire has taken his eye off the ball. He let everyone down and he's talking to Richie about it. But Richie gets called away and leaves. But he doesn't know because they're talking through the fridge door. Oh, Jesus. And Claire walks up. And so Carmi is talking about how it was a waste of time to be with Claire. I never should have, you know, I whatever i care about her but he's saying a lot of like pretty hurtful things that if claire were to hear probably not the way he would have wanted to deliver this news and she basically says i'm sorry you feel that way and walks away and so he's still left in there i think that's how the episode ends is he's still left in there they're trying to get him out there i think the episode ends with a fucking saw going through the door <laughs> jesus christ and sparks flying and carmy just having fucked it as hard as he possibly could so do you think Claire will be back for season three or is that the end? Probably because they over the course of the last three episodes, when you were saying I, this crystallized for me, when you said like he's having fun spending time with her, like I think by the last episode, they are boyfriend, girlfriend. They've said, I love you to each other. It's legit. And then that's how she gets dumped basically accidentally. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that comes back around in season three. Yeah. Sounds like basically it was a great night for everyone except Carmi and Claire. Yeah, mostly. I mean, Sydney finishes her shift, throws up. Her dad says, you did a great job. She keeps throwing up, but she's like happy. It's like a happy throw up. It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, the food looks delicious. And it's unclear in the end of the episode if Carmi actually saw his abusive boss or it was just in his head and it was someone else. It's hard to imagine him inviting his boss. I don't think he was invited. That's for sure. And then there's yeah. also a scene where this is a really good scene, actually, where the sister's husband, this kind of like nerd who nobody likes, 
Beattie. He's like a pretty good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. He loves his wife. And they're like, fuck you for being a good guy and loving your wife. Um, he sees the mom because they invited mom. And they decided it was unlikely that she was going to come. But obviously, the sister cares a lot more. She can't like she hasn't processed it the way that Carmi has. Uh-huh. And uh, Petey sees the mom outside and goes to see her. He says, please come in like it would mean so much to them. You can do it like you. And the mom basically breaks down, and says, don't tell anyone I was here. I can't do it. You know, they deserve better. I'm going to ruin it. She's like aware of the fact that she yeah. is likely to cause problems. And Petey comes back in and his wife, the sister sits down and he's just crying. And it's really sweet, actually. He's just because he wants her to be happy. But, he, you know, it's just like a flood of kind of emotions. And he tries to brush it off like lots of history here. Lots of people involved. It's a special night. But it was a good scene. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to watching the last three episodes. Yeah. Sorry, I ruined them kind of. That's okay. They're still worth watching. Yeah. You can't ruin it. This is a show that does not drive. It's not really driven by uh, surprises, I think, in in that way. Um, yeah, it's by the experience. So, yeah, I I would say overall, I think if we if you listen to the our review of season one, I mean, I wasn't skeptical about season two, but I was essentially saying I don't think that this needs a season two. It feels like a complete story on its own, and I think totally this season has exceeded my expectations so uh yeah i think i think it's great and uh people should definitely watch it i'm excited for season three um if you have seen season two and you've thought to your own uh shoot us an email original content pod at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter at original content and we always appreciate it when you subscribe and leave us a positive review in apple podcasts or the podcast app of your choosing thank you so much for listening jordan i'll talk to you next week later gator <laughs> <laughs>